Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time, it's time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. We're going to try to find something interesting, and we fascinating. And sitting over here too. And we'll be joined by Alyssa Hurdle here later on in the show to talk Iowa State recruiting uh, with camps just over the horizon for the football program. But until we get there, we're going to have to find something to talk about, Randy, in these uh, less than exciting I got one. times for athletics. We've talked about name image, name, image, and likeness. I feel like as much as we can talk about it, unless you want to talk about Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban having like a, uh, a middle school argument uh, via the media here over the last week or so. I love it. Um, yeah, I tried to get the last... I don't know, couple weeks, two weeks on the on the tailgate tour, I was uh, I tried to get Campbell going on some of that stuff, and he just he just laughed. I have my topic of conversation with you, or my question is, how did you get back from Iowa Falls yesterday? Did you take the interstate, or did you get down sixty five? I went down sixty five. So I? Okay, I, uh, I took and the scenic the, and, route, and I just wanted to see some different looking yeah. cornfields. And then really... the, the diagonal, yeah, yeah. I, that I hadn't been on the diagonal, I don't think, since my youngest daughter went to Northern Iowa, and I went up there. A lot to see her, but anyway, okay. Um, As a former Marshalltown Times Republican reporter, I've I've burned some rubber on that. Uh, Iowa diagonal. Falls in your dis- in your in just your on the outskirts. Uh, we had South Hardin, which is obviously Hardin County, but not Iowa Falls was just outside. That was one of the more amazing things about working at that paper. We covered like schools forty miles away. Wow. Now you don't cover a school I was like say. more than four four <laughs> yeah. blocks away. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Travis and I have been on the. Um, tailgate tour. I was at a couple places last week. Where was I? I was at Carroll and I was at Okoboji. And on Monday, we were at Iowa Falls. Um, probably not learning a whole lot of new stuff, but uh, just to show up and, and to talk to coaches. And <clears throat> I was talking to a fan. And um, if you want to get a name, image, and likeness, we can go there and I can tell you what the fan said. But um, um, yeah, it's it's. It's a slow time of the year in that respect, at least for now. Yeah, and I feel like they're after the last. I mean, obviously, the last couple of years have just been atypical to begin with. But with football kind of having a reset, I don't think anybody really quite knows what to make of basketball. Given the Sweet Sixteen run, with a roster that would have never suggested a Sweet Sixteen run, like the there's obviously excitement around the programs, but it's not maybe it's what has been accomplished rather than a a sense of anticipation for what's ahead. I think obviously people are excited for football and basketball season coming up, but we really don't, I feel like I don't have a great handle on how good football is going to be. Basketball is, I'm in wait and see mode after last year, but it is, it feels like even though you're in a second year of TJ Otzelberger, you're in what year seven or six under Campbell. Mm -hmm. It feels like this is kind of a, a refresh of the, the two main drivers of the athletic department in terms of, the rosters flipping over, the the expectations, maybe recalibrating after all that was accomplished the last three years. Yes, and uh, yeah, and I don't think I mentioned this to somebody yesterday that that football did not live up to the expectations last year. And don't just say it's our expectations; um, we weren't alone. Iowa State, the returnees, and how Iowa State did the previous year that led to the expectations. And the ex- those expectations weren't met. This year, there certainly are not expectations as high as what there were last year at this point in time. 
and I see the the over under totals on the betting lines for wins are between six point five and and seven point five. So that feels like just about right. I without question. I, I was on yeah. I was on radio this morning, and 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 Heather asked what I thought of the of the six of the of the six and a half, the six point five, and I said I wouldn't know how to bet it. I mean, I wouldn't. Um, I assume I would probably go over. I, I think Hunter Decker's <clears throat> talking to Campbell. I was talking to to Matt yesterday, and Hunter was at uh, at Florida working out for the past week or so with um, Xavier Hutchinson and working out with the same quarterbacks coach that Brock Purdy worked with and other quarterbacks worked with before the draft. So, so that I'm sure camp, I'm sure that uh, Decker's got, got good experience down there and even more. So working with, with X, um, which who will be the the number one receiver this year? So, I don't think Hunter Decker's. I don't. Yeah, there are question marks regarding Hunter Decker's, but I think he's he's capable, and certainly the players around him, other than Brees Hall, and the tight ends, which it's a huge, that's huge, <laughs> I guess. Other than the All Americans, <laughs> other other than the All Americans, yeah. I mean, this offense won't be horrible. Um. I, I really want to see how Jirel does. And if, if in fact, he does end up starting, the, the young kids are pretty good, too. Um, that's amazing. Cartavius, Cartavius Norton, I think. I think that's the other, that's the running back's name that I want to see. And we did, did not get to see him this spring because he's been injured. To me, the running back position, I mean, obviously the quarterback is always going to be front and center, but it feels like Deckers is the guy until we see otherwise. But to me, the running back is maybe the most interesting because you go back and you look in his time at Iowa State, the running back to fill a vacuum has not necessarily been the guy you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. When Campbell comes in in year one, you know Mike Warren had just had a, what, 1,400-yard year as a, to set an Iowa State freshman, freshman running record. Oh, yes. And by like week two, he had been benched for David Montgomery, who the Iowa you know, game. Yeah. turns out to be one of the best running backs in Iowa State history. Montgomery leaves, and you think, okay, is it going to be Kane Nwangu? Is it going to be Jirel Brock, who was the higher rated of the mm-hmm. two running backs coming in that year? Nope, it's Brees Hall, who is now you know one of, the, again, maybe the best running back in Iowa State history, certainly up there with Troy Davis. So... Now that we're in that situation for the third time, is it going to be the obvious guy? Is it going to be Jirel Brock? Or is it going to be one of those younger guys that steps up and takes the mantle and becomes the next David Flewellen, Kareem Hunt, uh, David Montgomery, Brees Hall? I mean, those are some pretty big shoes to fill and a lot of expectations. I mean, that's the thing, too, is like, do we just assume that the next guy to take that spot is going to be an NFL running back? I, I kind of tend to think, like, you look at Campbell's track record, you got to think that's likely, but that's also, you you look back in the history of Iowa State, and they don't usually have NFL running backs there. Like, the last two have been special. Do you get three in a row, or do you go back to waiting for that next superstar at that position? I think you probably go back. I mean, I would I would think that Jirel will be the, the starter in, who is it, Southeast Missouri State in the opener. Um, I would think Jirel would be the starter unless some injury situation happens. 
Campbell has been extremely loyal in situations like that. I'm going to sneeze here in a second. Campbell's been extremely loyal in situations <laughs> like that. That's just good radio right there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Well, this is what we do here, you know? Um, yeah, and the loyalty and the fact that, that uh, Jirel came back. Well, I mean, Jirel well, can play. Like, he it's can not play, like he's and he, didn't, bad, he hasn't had a chance. Is he Brees Hall? Is no, he David Montgomery? Exactly. Like, that's the question. And, we, and are, are any of the, the guys, yeah. the kids coming up? We like, got to see them a little bit. In Vegas? I think, like, we know there's competency at that position. And there's that, competition. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not claiming, like, they're going to be a massive right. letdown there, but when you go from best running back in school history, maybe, to average, that, that's a big drop. Exactly. And, and maybe the, that's not the drop they're And you can at. say that's the question. same thing at quarterback, also. <laughs> or linebacker, uh, or tight end, right. yeah, or safety. Yeah. I mean, you go on down the list but here. Let's, let's look at it this way. The position that you and I and... Anybody else that's that's around Iowa State and football daily have talked about is that has the offensive line progressed like we thought it should have progressed over the six however many years of Matt Campbell and I think I think the common answer is no we did, we expected more out of the offensive line well this year I you know I'm going to say the same thing I'm expecting more out of the offensive line so maybe that instead of Brees having to, to create his own yards as much maybe that won't happen um as as much as it has in the past yeah i mean i think you know, what we talked about towards the end of last season is that iowa state under matt campbell has been very honest with itself in its evaluations of the program where it is and where it needs to go and we were wondering does that mean a change in the approach at offensive line and we haven't really heard about anything there but randy i think the place where we have heard about a reexamination is special teams. And you're writing about that for this week. Yeah. Iowa State has added a special teams consultant. Consultant is a good way to put it. And just kind of under the radar. Yeah. I mean, and obviously the one of the biggest talkers, or at least like on the fringes, has been why doesn't Iowa State have a special teams coach? Because that unit has had moments of absolute and abject terror and catastrophe over the last two, three, four years. And it sounds like Campbell is addressing that with maybe a more intentional approach than had been there previously, or at least a more focused approach where it's one person's job, one person's responsibility to oversee it. I know you talked to Matt yesterday about it. What was your sense of that move, why they made it, and what's it going to look like? Well, let's let's just say that Mike Campbell, I asked him point blank, and and it was, you know, and, and... Anybody that's around Matt Campbell as much as you and I are, we, you know, and, and anybody that's, that covers him daily, we have kind of a, a, a neat relationship with him where we can just walk up and say, hey, the fans finally got to you, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is what I did because the fans have been calling for um, a special teams coach. And he kind of laughed at me and, and which, you know, I knew I knew what that meant. But but yeah, Matt hired um, um, John, I can't say this last name, Bonamigo. Um, he was a former, long time ago, former head coach at, at, at Central Michigan, and that's how Matt got to know him. Um, Bono, as as Matt calls him, and, and <clears throat> actually so does Rory Walling, who I'll talk about in a minute. I talked to Rory last night, too. Um, coach Bono has been at with six different NFL teams, coaching special teams, most recently with the Rams, special teams with the Super Bowl Rams. He was... He was let go two weeks after the Super Bowl. The special teams didn't didn't perform up to what they thought it, they should. He was he was let go, and he was just out there on the <coughs> just out there. Campbell knew 
remembered him from a relationship when Campbell was at was at Toledo and you know called Bono and 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 next thing I, next thing you know he's he's in Ames he was there all spring didn't I didn't know it they didn't even they didn't send out a press release or anything about it which is fine you don't normally do that it for doesn't surprise it doesn't surprise no. me because that's been such a sore spot and anytime you'd ask Campbell about special teams yeah. during the season you'd get a lot of pushback so I think I don't want to call it a capitulation. But certainly it could be viewed like that. No, but at the end of the day, it's just trying to get better. Right? Without without yeah. question. And Campbell admitted to me yesterday, and he has in the past, that, yeah, Iowa State special team haven't been the greatest all the time. He defended the special teams. He said when, he said when they got Andrew Mavis, everything changed, which it did. But he's gone now. He's, he's absolutely gone now. So um, they, they needed something. <clears throat> and it's a, it's a coach. It's a, it's a guy. He's... he's in his upper, what is he? Fifty-eight. He's been a head coach. He's been in the NFL. Campbell told me it's it never hurts to have guys like that on on staff. You've got John Haycock, who's who's been around. He's been a head coach. Um, you've got um, Coach Broomfield, Deion Broomfield, who's been a coach. In, not only played at Iowa State, played in the NFL. He's coached in the NFL with the Texans on staff. You've got Tom Manning on staff who coached tight ends with um, the Colt, Indianapolis. And now you've got Bono, who's who's not only been a, a, a college head coach, but also coached in the NFL. That kind of of, of resource is, is invaluable because Matt still considers himself a young coach, which I guess when you put numbers down on a piece of paper, he, he would be in the, the younger category. He's older than me, so I say we keep him as a young coach because that makes me just younger generally. So I think I'm all for that. We keep Campbell in the younger camp for as long as possible. I don't know what that says for me. But. Not not what it says for me. You're listening to the Cycle and Insider <laughs> Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KX. I know Randy Peterson and Travis Hines here talking Iowa State athletics. We're going to have Alyssa Hurdle on here in a little bit to talk some football recruiting. But, you know, Randy, to, to stay on the special teams topic, I do think, again, it is indicative of Iowa State under Campbell of being strong self-evaluators. And I think when you look at trying to sustain the success that they've had over the last, you know, however many years you want to go back. You want to talk about that 2017 team going forward or you want to talk about the last three years of even a higher level of success is that if you want to sustain that, you're going to have to adapt, right? Like there's not, you can't be static at Iowa State and retain success because I think the way you have to do things is to steal Campbell's term. You have to win on the margins or you have to win in the niches. You have to go take, you have to go find success in places other people aren't looking. And I think for Iowa State to continue to be self-evaluating and to adapting as the years go on, you know, if Campbell's going to end up being at Iowa State, for I mean what I mean at this point like are you looking at a 10 years are you looking at 15 years however you want to look at it given how long he's been here already you're going to have to continue to adapt throughout the years and I think this is another in a long line of you know pieces of evidence that that's maybe one of Iowa State's big picture strengths under Campbell well and look go back to you can you can name individual games go back to the Louisiana opener whatever year that was um, 2019, 20. I mean, to me, like the when they uh, when they had two long the opening kickoff was returned for a touchdown. They had two long touchdown returns. 
Yeah, punt re- got returned too. Punt return yeah. too. Punt return and kickoff return. They've had many um, kickoff returns that got more yards. Baylor. Baylor. Yeah. Boom. This last year. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. We we look at the ne- the negatives outweigh the, the positives. Um, that's the nature of the beast. Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to say. That always happens. It's it's that's, feast or famine. Yes. That that, exactly. Department. That 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 always happens. But we we remember the times at Oklahoma State where you and I looked at each other and says, what the hell are they doing down there? Was that Oklahoma State? Where the drop kick? I mean, <laughs> it might have even been in Ames before that. I don't remember. Yeah. But um, whenever you're drop kicking, you know, you got major problems. Exactly. And, and, and Matt, God love him, defended it after the game. I remember that because I asked him the question. And um, but yeah, he defended it. But um, again, that it, special teams, I feel like has been a sore spot for them because they know yes, that it has not lived up to expectations. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and they've had their best players other than the quarterback play. Matt reminded me that yesterday that he says our best players other than a quarterback have played special teams. Um, and we're talking that we're, you know, we're going back to Chase and, and Charlie when they were kids. Mike Rose. Uh, Mike, Mike Rose and, and Jake Hummel. Yeah. Jake Hummel still played. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see how many snaps Jake Cummel played a game when he was a senior last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 certainly not going to hurt. So I called my guy. I called Rory Walling um, last night. Go ahead. Because because he's an insider. Um, <laughs> no, because Rory Walling is was one of the Iowa State's best special. He's a special teams specialist, non kicking specialist. Um, he played on a lot of special teams. And I called him. I called him last night because he's working with Bono this this spring, and he's going to be working with Bono in the in the fall as a volunteer assistant, whatever you call it, as he finishes up his his last class or two and whatever degree he's working on now. But I asked Rory. I said, "Okay, what's going to what's different here?" And he said the first thing he noticed was when when Coach Bono is is addressing the special teams player in the special teams room that. It's it's like everybody's sitting at attention, straight up and listening. What's going on? He had immediate cred coming in, being with six NFL teams, regardless of how it ended with the Rams. They still won a a, a Super Bowl. He's got immediate cred. He's been a head coach. And there's um, immediate accountability, right? Like there's not when you spread the special teams out over multiple coaches. Oh, yes, you, where it's, exactly. You know, if you're the tight end coach or you're the offensive line coach, like where are your priorities? And we talked lie? about that. I asked, and Rory talked about that. Um, he was very loquacious about all this. He said, he said, how do he said if you're a position coach, and and you're you're teaching somebody how to block, for example, on a kickoff return, it's a lot different than blocking on a on a normal play. He said, now Coach Bonner can do that. And he said, there's nothing wrong with the way they've done it in the past. I mean, those guys all defend each other, which is good. I mean, I would hope that you'd have my back every once in a while. Um, What's um, in it for me? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So um, there's nothing wrong with the way they're doing it. And that's why they're changing. And that's why. <laughs> no, but okay. I hear you. But there were certain aspects of the special teams that needed that needed work. Um, and now they've got a special teams specialist in there that that can help fix it you're listening to the cyclone insider radio hour from the des moines register on 1063 fm and 1460 kxno later in the show we're going to talk about aj green's forthcoming decision about the nba duke or iowa state but when we come back we're going to talk some iowa state football recruiting with the des moines registers Alyssa hurdle 
Everything you need to know about Iowa State. It's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. If you missed any of our first segment talking about Iowa State football, be sure to check out the Cyclone Insider Hour podcast wherever it is you get your podcast: Spotify iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast. I mean, you, you name it, it's there. Now we are joined by the Des Moines Register's Alyssa Hurdle to talk some Iowa State football recruiting, getting into uh, some interesting times of the year as the 23 and 24 classes look to make decisions and get evaluated by staffs. So we thought it'd be a good time to have Alyssa in to talk some recruiting. Alyssa, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm doing swell. Where do you want to start? Where is Iowa State as they do the uh, look ahead to the class of 2023, maybe a little bit to 2024? Where do they stand here as we get into uh, to June and camp season? Um, I think, you know, going back, J.J. Cole is still the biggest get for the 2023 class. Um, I mean, clearly bringing him in, having him on board is going to attract some other kids to want to come to the program. It, it shows that, you know, Iowa State can still hang with the best of them in terms of getting one of the top quarterbacks in the country um, right in their backyard. And I think you go off of that and you look at 2023s that are still available, like Jamison Patton, who will be playing with with J.J. at Ankeny next year. That's got to bring him in a little bit more. Um, and then in terms of other 2023s, you look at, you know, Cooper Ebel, you look at Titus Cram as, as two kids that it's kind of coming down to a battle between Iowa and Iowa State and maybe Nebraska in there or Wisconsin. Um, but those are two kids that, that Iowa State should really focus on for 2023 heading into this summer. Well, I would think being in recruiting battles with Iowa, with Wisconsin, and maybe to a lesser extent Nebraska, look at me throwing shade at the Cornhuskers, is a is a positive sign for Iowa State over the last few years where they're able to go toe-to-toe with those programs that, frankly, have had more sustained success over the last 10 or 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I kind of looked at it from from the Iowa side last week where, you know, in the 2024 class, Iowa is pulling in a lot of these in-state kids. But when you look at it, you know, coming down to it, the, the battle is still there between Iowa State and Iowa, and, and Iowa State is getting these kids. I mean, J.J. is a kid that Iowa also went after, and he ended up with Iowa State, and I think – when it when it comes down to it, you, you see that Iowa State has that strength. They're still pulling in kids. They might not be getting them as soon as Iowa is, as soon as Wisconsin is. But you know, Iowa State can still hang with the best of them. Well, it'll be interesting to see too what those recruiting battles look like as the Big Twelve moves into its new iteration. It doesn't seem like that is whatever uncertainty is there. And I still think it's a fair amount. Does not seem to really be rippling into the recruiting where to the degree I think at least people were concerned about when you first got the news last summer that Texas and Oklahoma leaving I think certainly getting the the news that BYU Cincinnati Houston and Central Florida are are coming to the league stabilize things but that's still going to be probably a diminished league I guess people can argue about that but I haven't at least from the periphery seen that to be a major drag on recruiting whatever uncertainty is there uh, regarding realignment. I haven't seen it either. And and you look at the schools that are coming in and the kids that Iowa State's recruiting, and some of those kids are coming from the states where those new schools are. And that gives them a bit of a connection to the Big 12 that they might not have had before. So while it could impact recruiting a little bit, it also could be a draw for kids that might not have exactly been an option for Iowa State in the first place. And, and something I'm going to be interested, um, and I'm sure we can get a list of these, 
is, for example, Iowa State has always under Campbell has always recruited Cincinnati, has always always recruited Ohio. Be curious to see if it's a similar number of kids from Ohio that are at these camps, fewer or or more kids at these camps. I mean, it's not like Cincinnati is the university of is not. Um, you know, they're on the radar. They're big time on the radar, obviously. Um, so that's that's going to be really, really interesting. And also with one of the best young coaches, probably, you know, the, the next up and comer right now. Um, the Big 12, home of the sort of young coaches and Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell. What are you we'll keep them. We'll oh, keep them. Okay. <laughs> what about Gundy? But anyway, anyway, I'm sorry, Mike. But um, Gundy's got to be in his mid-50s by now. He's out. He's out? He's out of the young coaches club. I've by decree right here. Okay. And when, then we'll have a young, um, um, what do we call it? Commissioner. I almost forgot that one at some point too, I would think. Um, there's another topic. But but anyway, yeah, I'd be curious to see where these kids come from and, and in comparison to, to maybe where they have. Well, And Alyssa, this will be your first chance since joining the register last fall to get a chance and get a sense of, of camp with fresh eyes. What – what are your thoughts on what you're looking to see, you know, either from the staff or from the collection of players that they bring into AIM starting next weekend with the the first camps there outside of Jack Tri Stadium? Yeah, I think for me as the the recruiting reporter, my biggest focus is kind of getting an eye on 24s and 25s coming up. Um, I've been here under a year, so you know I have the 2022s, I have the 2023s on my radar, um, but those younger kids are still sort of, you know, in the peripheries. And I just kind of want to see what they bring to camp. Um, In terms of the coaches, I mean, I think the biggest thing is picking up on who they're seriously looking at at camp. Um, You know, if if Campbell or some of the offensive and defensive coordinators are are looking at a certain kid, there's there's a good chance I also want to be looking at that kid. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see if, if there's a kid that I haven't had on my radar or didn't think was someone I should focus as seriously on. And if the, if the coaches are seeing something in that player, then that's, that's someone that I want to keep an eye on too. As you look at the recruiting class taking shape, as you look at the roster, do, do you feel like there's a position group or two that seems to be of the highest of importance, especially now that they have the quarterback position already wrapped up with J.J. Cole? For, for the incoming year, um, I think it's still tough. I mean, I think... You could say they're looking at linebackers, but everyone looks at linebackers. They're a dime a dozen. Um, no offense to the linebackers. Um, I think looking at their their recent offers lately, there's there's some kids that at the linebacker position, at the defensive position, are, are intriguing to me. Um, and so it, it's right now it's hard to tell kind of what they're looking at specifically, at least from from my focus. I will say camp's kind of been the back of my mind with other sports going on right now, but. With that coming up, I think I'll also get a clearer picture of kind of what recruits they're looking at and and what players would be possibilities for those positions. And we can't go an entire show without talking about name, image, and likeness. So I'm just curious, with the recruits that you've talked to, has, does that come up either on their own volition or what, for the level of recruit that Iowa State is targeting for football, does name, image, and likeness even enter into the conversations that you're having with these kids? The conversations I've had, no. Um, I think that'll change this summer when I talk to a few more kids focused on that specifically. Um, I mean, you look at a kid like Caden Proctor, I think, you know, obviously NIL is going to play in a little bit, whether he wants it to or not. I think coaches are having that conversation with him regardless of whether it's important. Mm -hmm. You look at a kid like JJ Cole, when I talked to him, I didn't get the impression that NIL played a factor in it at all. 
Um, he has a connection to Iowa State through his dad, which also didn't really factor in that much. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's more important for some kids than other kids. I think the kids that Iowa State's going after, not necessarily, because you know Iowa State, like we talked about, still has a, a, a good recruiting reputation as pulling in these good kids. But it, it's not like the big schools where you're hearing those conversations about NIL being a problem. Yeah, and I feel like with high school kids, it's probably they're going to have bigger eyes than stomachs when it comes to NIL, or the the money that is there is not necessary. My thought is that it's going to be pretty top heavy is that you're not going to see, you know, guys 60 to 85 on scholarship reaping major NIL rewards. It's going to be, you know, the, those top tier recruits and players. So we'll I think everybody thinks they'll probably be getting NIL money, whether that comes to fruition or not. I think I get, will remain to be seen. I mean, obviously this thing is still taking shape. Alyssa, I want to ask you, and we talked about it before the before the show. I think um, JJ Cole's not the only kid at Ankeny that I was looking at, right? Correct. Talk to us about about what JJ's um, commitment to Iowa State could mean as a pipeline. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but as a mechanism where they could maybe land another receiver. I mean, I think. You don't have to talk about what it could be. He is a recruiter now. Um, it, you know that we've seen that with other top recruits. Once they sign, they basically make it their job to pull in other kids. Um, and and JJ said that was his goal to me. He wanted to create the best twenty twenty three class he could. Um, and that does start with Jamison, who's transferring to Ankeny this year. Um, I mean, they play seven on seven together. They sh- they share a school now. They're they're going to be on the same football team. Um, they'll probably play basketball together, depending on if they graduate early or not. Um, now, I'm not going to make JJ or Jameson's decision for him. That's obviously up to him, and he's got a lot of offers to consider. But when you know where your quarterback is going for for college, you know that there's got to be a draw when when you have an offer from the same exact school. She's Alyssa Hurdle of the Des Moines Register. Be sure to check out all her recruiting and high school work on DesMoinesRegister.com as we get into the summer recruiting season. Alyssa, thanks for joining us. When we come back, Randy and I will talk a little men's basketball and the looming decision for A.J. Green on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about Iowa State, it's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you missed any of our previous segments talking Iowa State football or Iowa State football recruiting with the Register's Alyssa Hurdle, be sure to check out our podcast. Uh, Now we're going to shift gears away from recruiting and to the transfer portal and away from football and to men's basketball as the Cyclones sit with one open scholarship and one son of an assistant coach out there in the transfer portal who may or may not be joining the program early next month. A.J. Green, the Northern Iowa transfer and son of Iowa State assistant Kyle Green, is going through the pre-draft process, went through the G League elite Combine last week did not garner a promotion to the NBA Combine in Chicago, but continues to work out for NBA teams. Went to the campus of Duke University, which I believe has a fairly prestigious basketball program, and will visit Iowa State this weekend uh, as he looks to make his decision about the NBA, 
college basketball and where to finish his career. Randy, I don't know that I can handicap it perfectly. I still tend to believe that A.J. Green landing on Iowa State's roster is more likely than not, but certainly at this juncture and with his options, it is uh, yet to be a slam dunk deal. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think we've looked towards we've looked that direction for a long time, um, even during during the season. Iowa State needs a score. Um, AJ potentially could be that guy, but AJ and you know this better than I. AJ, as long as he he's still getting invites to go to NBA um, teams to work out for them. There must be some interest. Um, certainly, he's, he's he's his performance is 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 getting um, will be beneficial if he doesn't enter the draft this year. It'll certainly be beneficial for what would be the twenty four draft. So, huh? Twenty twenty three. It's twenty twenty two right now. Well, for the next for the next draft, yeah, whatever that would be, yeah, twenty three. Um, so, I think this is good that AJ's gone through all this. I think, like you said, I think we'll know possibly by this time next week what what he's going to do. That would not that would not shock me. I would say, and I and I don't I don't know anything. I don't know anybody that said anything, but I know that a, a number of Iowa State fans got a little bit concerned when when Duke got in the um, the conversation. To them, I said. If you're a basketball player, which AJ is, if you're a basketball, I mean, a good, I mean, basketball player for life, hopefully for life. I mean, that's his, yeah. that's his motivation. If you've got that motivation, and if Duke calls you, would you not just want to go see the place? I would. Um, that's always been on my bucket list to cover a game there, which I don't think that's ever going to happen. But that's okay. Um, I, I don't, I don't, be, I would not read anything into the fact that he's. That he visited Duke, um, like you said, he's visiting Iowa State this weekend. Could he commit this weekend? Maybe, and but you know more in that situation than I do um, with what's um, out there for him after this weekend. So I don't know, but I would be. I guess I would lean towards expecting him to commit to Iowa State at some point. Like I said, possibly before we're on the air next week. Yeah, in terms of timeline, my understanding is AJ will you know, make an official visit, which I think is probably more of a formality than anything, given that he was recruited to Iowa State as a prep under Steve Prohm, and obviously his dad has spent the last year on TJ Otzelberger's staff. Uh, my understanding is that next week, on a week from today, actually, there is another NBA workout scheduled, uh, so I don't... This is going to go till the last moment of that June 1st deadline, I believe. That, I think that is the trajectory it's on right now. I think AJ's made it clear he wants to see this process out to the end, which is his prerogative. And I think a smart, to your point, a smart thing to do. If you can get in front of NBA decision makers and hear what they have to say, I think that's, that's for the best. And I think in terms of where things stand now and what we know or what we think we know, I believe my understanding is going into this process, it was always more likely than not that AJ would come out of it without a second round guarantee, without a promise of a two-way contract. That was the goal going in is can you produce that and then you're gone to the NBA, congratulations, you're making money at playing basketball, 
you know, for the foreseeable future. I think the feedback has been that that's probably unlikely that he remains. You know, if he went if he went into the draft, there's a chance he could be cho- picked, land a two way deal. But are you guaranteed of that? Probably not. And I think that makes returning to school more likely than staying in the NBA draft. Again, that can change between now and next week. But my understanding is that's kind of where things are right now. And if you're coming back to college, it's Iowa State or Duke. And I think, you know, Randy, you laid it out. Duke is obviously one of, if not the most successful basketball program of the last 40 years. But that Duke is no longer this Duke. Mm -hmm. You know, Coach K is in retirement. John Shire is there. And when you, that is in and and of itself a risk if you're A.J. Green looking to not only end your collegiate career, but bolster your NBA credentials. And I think if you, the, the, the pros of going to Duke don't even really bear mentioning, right? You're going to get the most exposure. You're going to get, you know, elite uh, coaching from not only Shire but his staff. You're going to have five star teammates. So you go down the list of why that's beneficial. I think the risks involved if you're AJ Green going to Duke are still there because you're going to be joining. Five stars. You're going to be joining a coaching staff that is going to have the world's biggest microscope on them with everything they do critiqued and analyzed, you know, with a fine tooth comb. And if you're AJ Green going in there without, you know, without really any capital in terms of you're you're going in there as a mercenary, just like you are at Iowa State. But the difference is you go into to Duke without your dad as the coach. And with um, a coach that is going to be incredibly critiqued and is going to, you know, if, if you go out and you shoot 25% from three your first six games, are you on the bench? You know, you don't have a track record with Duke that you can fall back on that they're going to trust you on. And they've got a roster full of five-star guys. You know, so that, that's the risk if you go there. The rewards are great, but I think the, the risks are higher where if you look at Iowa State, you know, obviously long-term relationship with TJ Otzelberger, your dad is the coach, and you look at the roster, if you start out shooting 19% over your first six games from three, you're still starting to have a green light till the cows come home. Like, you are the guy offensively, no matter what happens. You can shoot yourself out of a slump. You're going to be given the ball and the opportunity to shine offensively and probably bolster your reputation defensively, given what we saw that staff do with the roster last year. So I think, again, there are... There are reasons if you're an Iowa State fan to be, I don't know if concerned is the right word, but you can see the path where A.J. Green ends up at Duke. But I do think the path that is more likely to take ends in Ames. And this is, yeah, and, and, and T.J. Is, is and his staff, they're assembling what could be another decent team. Um, I, I, I really think so. I'll, I'll admit all it needs they need they need they need uh somebody put the ball somebody, in the basket somebody put the ball in the basket yeah yeah i mean the, the brockington the brockington thing so i guess i guess i'm still i guess i'm still leaning that that he's going to eventually end up at iowa state and to that and maybe you're not prepared for this um it certainly wasn't on our script but <laughs> all the show prep we, we <laughs> our show prep um but um, assume Travis, assume that AJ is at Iowa State. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who are the top six or seven players? Oh man, 
You're really putting me on there. Um, obviously, Jeremiah Williams at point, AJ at the two, Kalsher at the three, Ocean at the five, and then Jazz Koontz at the four. That's your starting five, I and mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I I was I, those are the ones you know, I had in my head. Hassan Ward probably plays, you know, and Caleb. Caleb Grill plays. You know, where's Robert Jones fit in? Exa- well, they're going to need a backup big man. Yeah. Um, um, I'm excited to see Ocean. By the way, Ocean. How do you say that? Ocean. Ocean. Osunini. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want to see him. Um, I, I mean, see like him, he's going to be a player that Iowa State has not had since probably Jamil McKay. Jamil McKay I or Cato. Yeah. I mean, like I saw somebody say, you know. You know, welcome back to the or that they hoped that TJ retained some of the the lob plays that were in Fred Hoiberg's mm-hmm. playbook, and like you think about it, when was the last time you reliably saw Iowa State ever lob the ball? You know, to get alley oop dunks at the rim. Like I mean, they you got spoiled as an Iowa State fan with George Niang throwing lobs and Monte Morris throwing lobs to to Jamil McKay, and that has just and to Burton, for example, and Deontay Burton, but that that yeah, has been completely him. devoid from the playbook, and yeah. that, you know, a dunk is a pretty good play if you if you got it in your in yeah. your bag. So it'll be hopefully if you're Iowa State that they can add that and he can be a big part of that, and then you add into what he does on the defensive end. You know, again, I think Iowa State obviously as a top five defense last year was elite. But you add in some shot blocking and that same culture and that same buy-in, if it's still there, or they're able to rebuild that because it's a new roster. Like that's that's a potential for building blocks of a pretty special defense. And you brought up a great point that AJ coming to Iowa State potentially and playing the type of defense that Iowa State plays that ain't going to hurt him. That that one hundred percent is not going to hurt him. That's only going to help him. Randy, thank you for spending. T- this time with me today. Thanks to Alyssa Hurdle for joining us. And thank you, the listener, for listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 1063 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you missed any of the show, be sure to check out the podcast and tune in next week when we are back with another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour.